It's the biggest recruiting story of the year. Arch Manning has officially committed to the University of Texas. Everyone in Austin is excited. It's a great day for the Horns. Texas might be back with a new quarterback. But all the pressure now, Parker Thune, is on Steve Sarkeesian. And it already was heading into year two at Texas. But if you can't win with a quarterback that has the last name Manning, David Cutcliffe won with Eli at Ole Miss. Uh, Phil Fulmer won with Peyton Manning at Tennessee, though he never beat Florida. Somehow, even though he got the number one overall player, the pressure has ramped up sky high at Texas for Steve Sarkeesian. Buddy, he better win, and he better win right away when Arch gets on campus. Good luck, Sark. Good luck. Oh, boy. And I, I tell you what, Tyler, the most interesting part of all of this is that, yeah, you got Arch Manning committed, but now you're going to have some elite skill position guys following Arch to the 40 acres. I'm looking at guys like John Tay Cook, Mikhail Harrison Pilot, Jonah Wilson, potentially Cedric Baxter, and so you know what? You said yeah, you hit the nail on the head to open the show here, Tyler. All of a sudden, there is more pressure on Texas and Steve Sarkeesian to win than there has been in over a decade. Right. So but, but, this like, thing better be real. All gas, no brakes better be legit. But what's like the what's the level? Like what's the line of what success looks like in the Arch Manning ten I mean, conference championship at least, right? Well, you haven't won one of those in over a decade, since 2009. I don't care if it's in the SEC or it's in the Big 12. It's going to be really difficult for Texas to win a conference title. Like, that's just the baseline of expectations. you got a guy, a five-star quarterback with the last name Manning, Parker, and Texas is far away from being a college football playoff team. But I would think you better get to at least one college football playoff with this guy if you hope to keep your job. Oh, man. Hey, can we just acknowledge right now that Arch Manning is the perfect quarterback for the University of Texas? Because consider, consider what Arch Manning is. He is the consensus number one overall prospect in America, largely because his last name is Manning. The expectations have been set unreasonably high for him, and there is now more pressure on him to be the savior and to reverse the trend for a program that's been in dire straits uh, than there has been if he'd gone anywhere else. So in many ways, Arch Manning is the perfect quarterback for the University of Texas. Astronomically high expectations and um, regards for no apparent reason other than the name on the back of his jersey, or in Texas's case, the name on the front of the jersey. So I'm very excited to see how this marriage pans out in the long run. Yeah, well, we're going to have some drama, and we're going to have drama since two five-star quarterbacks are going to be on campus at the same time. Well, Quinn Ewers hasn't taken a snap in Austin, but by God, some people think that Texas is going to win the league this year after a 5-7 and seven season. Quinn Ewers is the next coming of Colt McCoy, Vince Young, whoever you want to throw out there. What happens uh, when Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning are on campus at the same time? I could venture a pretty good guess, Parker. I don't see a scenario where Arch Manning gets to town and he's sitting behind anyone with that last name. So let the drama already unfold with that, which is going to be a ton of fun to watch. 
Yeah, and I, I would figure that Sark and Arch have it worked out between them, kind of with the mutual understanding that, hey, Quinn Ewers is our guy for right now, and as soon as Quinn Ewers moves on to the NFL, then it's going to be your show on the 40 Acres. Uh, this really leaves Malik Murphy hung out to dry. Malik Murphy, of course, Texas's four-star quarterback signee, was once a five-star, as a matter of fact, but uh, lost the fifth. Ended up being a high four-star in the class of 2022. He is very clearly no longer in the long-term plans at the University of Texas, so I would figure he's in the transfer portal before long. But uh, Quinn Ewers handing the ball off to Arch Manning, passing the baton, passing the torch. If that's how it's going to be at Texas, I mean, you have two of the, what, six, seven players that have ever been the consensus number one overall prospect yep. in a recruiting class, going back-to-back -back at the University of Texas at the quarterback position, yeah, this better work, or it's going to be Sark's head on the chopping block. Well, and then you think about this, too. What if Quinn Ewers doesn't work out there? And what if, under Arch Manning, Texas is still an average-to-below-average program in the Big 12? Not the SEC, in the Big 12. Does the rest of the country finally see what we see when we talk about the Texas football program, which is maybe the most overvalued, overrated program in the country. Like, I I'm serious here. If a Manning goes to Texas and they still suck, like they have during the decade of suck here, uh, actually that extends past 10 years now, I think that this narrative that still exists around Texas is going to change rather quickly if Arch goes out there and Texas is still average at best. Well, do, does anybody actually believe that there's going to come a point in time in the near future at which Texas isn't average at best? Tyler, like, is Arch Manning capable of digging Texas out of this hole? Is no, Quinn Ewers capable of digging no. Texas out of this hole? I, I will continue to pound the table on this, Tyler. Texas's problem is not talent. It's never been talent. This is not an issue that you solve by bringing in a five-star quarterback. It's not an issue that you solve by bringing in the number one overall recruit in the country. It's a problem that you solve by tearing the thing down to the studs and building a championship culture brick by brick by whatever means necessary, and that starts with having the right people at the administrative level on the coaching staff, and it starts with telling those boosters that down on the 40 acres have a tendency to get their noses a little too close to the action. Hey, give us space to do our thing. Yeah. Because with too many cooks in the kitchen, it's never going to happen here. Uh, perfect text from John Whitson at Brown O'Haver. Best possible news for OU fans. Chris Sims 2.0 and demanding. Are you kidding me? Perfect storm for UT. Yeah, I'm actually celebrating this news today. You know, normally when your biggest rival gets the number one overall player, five-star quarterback, you're saying, uh-oh. But what this does to me is this elevates OU Texas as, as a rivalry. And it's always been a good rivalry, even during the decade of suck for Texas. But it's going to be elevated now with the move of the SEC coming up. It's going to be... Arch versus probably Jackson Arnold going to be an SEC game. The SEC is going to boost this rivalry back up, but now a Manning's going to be involved. Parker, there's going to be more hype on this rivalry than there's been since those routine top five clashes in the early 2000s. 
And it's always fun to beat Texas. No matter how bad they are, no matter how good they are, whatever the status is of the University of Texas, does not matter. It's always fun to beat them in Dallas. But now you get to beat Texas with a Manning as starting quarterback? Are you kidding me? This may be the most fun it's been beating Texas since Chrissy Sims was back there throwing passes in the early 2000s. This actually has a very positive effect on the OU-Texas rivalry in its, kind of in, its, in its entirety. Oh, absolutely. And I think the other silver lining in all this for OU fans is that come 2024, in all likelihood, you're going to get a chance to see whether Arch Manning is all he was cracked up to be in this 2023 cycle because he's going to be going up against Jackson Arnold, the Sooners' five-star quarterback commit, and we will find out very quickly who got the better end of the bargain. Because remember, Jeff Lebby offered Arch Manning. Arch Manning had an offer from Oklahoma. And so it's not as if, oh, you thought they were too good for Arch Manning or that uh, they didn't want Arch Manning. No, Jeff, Jeff Levy extended the offer pretty soon after he got to Oklahoma. So they were willing to jump into the Arch Manning sweepstakes, but it was a case of, hey, you know what, between Arch, Jane Rashada, Jackson Arnold, we're comfortable with whoever wants to come and help build this championship culture at the University of Oklahoma under Brent Venables and under Jeff Levy. That happened to be Jackson Arnold. Now, I think at the end of it all, that unfolded about as well as it possibly could have for Oklahoma, and that's not me sunshine pumping. That's me telling you the Jaden Rashada recruitment has become so much more of a headache than anyone could have bargained for at that point in time. And I've always felt that Arch Manning was supremely overrated. So not only did you get Jackson Arnold out of those three, but you got him committed early in the cycle. You got him working on his peers, which now includes four-star teammates, Peyton Bowen and Ryan Yates, uh, both defensive backs at Denton Geyer, which is where Arnold plays his prep ball. And Arch Manning, of all the places that he could have wound up, is going to the University of Texas. Beautiful. So, Red River Showdown circa 2024 should have a lot of fun subplots. Yeah, and this isn't a recruitment. I think we're trained to see, you know, commits and say, oh, okay, wow, when's he going to decommit? I I don't see a decommit here, man. I I feel like this commit's going to stick all the way through. Yes, I believe it will, too, just because Arch, and say what you will about the family, say what you will about the whole situation, the coaches, the handlers, because you have that now in recruiting, too. You have handlers. But Arch, to his credit, has always been a very low-drama individual. So I, I always figured that once he locked in with any particular program, that was going to be it. The recruitment was going to be over, and he'd stay committed and eventually sign with that program that he committed to. So I do think this saga is over. Uh, it is going to make things much less interesting for national recruiting reporters over the next six months because the biggest what-if of the 2023 cycle is now answered. And I will say this, you're going to see a surge for Texas on the recruiting yeah. trail. This will yeah, have will. a reverberation. Yeah, but why did Arch Manning pick a school that was 5-7 and seven last year? They haven't won a conference championship since 2009. What? The Manning family is going to pick Texas? Well, according to Pete Thamel of ESPN, here's why. Quote, I really think the main factor in this decision, 
I have to give him credit, is Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian is one of the top quarterback coaches and top play callers in all of football. He's been an NFL OC with the Falcons. He was an NFL quarterbacks coach with the Raiders. Obviously, we saw the assembly of high-end quarterbacks under his tutelage at Alabama. Tua to Mac Jones. I really feel like the NFL preparation available for Arch Manning in Austin ended up being the difference maker for Texas, end quote. Buying it, not buying it, what was the number one overall factor for Arch going to UT? It's it's hard to say, Tyler, with any degree of authority, because obviously we haven't been tuned into that recruitment the way that insiders on the Texas side and on the Georgia side and even just down in Louisiana in general have. But I do think that ultimately what won Arch Manning over to the Texas Longhorns was Steve Sarkeesian, and you have to give Sark credit because if he doesn't do the job that he did in that recruitment, then Arch is probably a Georgia Bulldog right now. But I also think there's some there's some allure. When you're in Arch Manning's shoes, there is something attractive about being able to walk into the doors of a historically – I don't want to give Texas too much credit here – a program that means something in the grand scheme of college football, a program which carries some weight uh, by virtue of its logo and its uniform and its brand and its tradition, and walking into a situation where they haven't been remotely competent in quite a while and helping to transform the culture. He didn't have to do that at Georgia. If he goes to Georgia, he's the icing on the cake. He's the first elite-level quarterback recruit that they've had since Justin Fields, whom they ran off the ranch for whatever reason in favor of keeping Jake Fromm. But Arch Manning at Georgia would have been just another – I guess here's the best way I could put it. He's the guy at Texas. He is the guy. No doubt. At Georgia, he's a guy. At Alabama, he's a guy. At Florida, he's a guy. That's not to say that he's insignificant or that uh, he's not going to get his due or that he's not going to get press, but I think the opportunity to be the center of the universe at Texas was ultimately very appealing to a kid like Arch Manning, uh, just given the weight that his name carries. Oh, Parker, if you know he's done with his sophomore season and Sark's not getting it done and they fire him, I kind of kidding, but not really. I almost feel like the Mannings would be asked who they think the next head coach in Texas would be, or at least like, hey, here's our final three candidates. Which one would Arch uh, want the most to be the next head coach? Like, kind of kidding, but kind of serious. Like, I-, I think that this is such an important recruitment for Texas because this is the only guy that they offered in this cycle. They, they- All their eggs were in one basket for Arch. He's going to hold some power down in Austin for his three years that he's on campus. Oh, no doubt he will. And, yes, if things go completely left and Steve Sarkeesian uh, gets kicked out of the 40 acres uh, unceremoniously, then, yeah, I would figure the Manning family has quite a say in whoever the next head coach is. David Cutcliffe, next head coach at Texas. And uh, I I was about to say... Not out of the question that that happens, if only as a stopgap 
until Arch graduates and moves on to the NFL. Seriously, man. All right, you guys are already killing it on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We'll get to your text coming up next. We've got a lot of Cruton news to break down throughout this hour. Dylan Edwards has made his decision uh, decision today. Where did he pick? We'll tell you that and more coming up next. Keep it locked here on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, live on the ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Keep those texts coming on the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. I'll get to a few of them before we get to uh, Dylan Edwards and his commitment earlier this afternoon. Vince Young saved Texas' reputation after the Chris Sims debacle, which is the only reason that narrative didn't start 20 years ago. Yeah, Vince Young really um, saved a lot of things for the narrative of Texas football, but, you know, they were getting run by OU in the early 2000s, five straight uh, years, what, from 2000 to 2004. But even during that time, Parker, they were still winning 10 games a year. They were still respectable. They were still in the national conversation in at least, you know, November. Now they're a joke of a program that can't even win five games. It's changed dramatically over the course of the past 20 years there. And I'll say this, Tyler. It may be a controversial opinion. And I, I, you, you may certainly disagree with this. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. But I was always of the opinion that the Red River Showdown, the Big 12, college football in general, is far more engaging and entertaining, at least from the perspective of someone who follows and covers Oklahoma, if Texas is good, because at least you know you're going into the Red River Showdown every single year with the knowledge that that game is going to mean something. Right? And most, most years... From OU side it, or from a national side, it's, it's both, better? Both. No, I'll hear, think, I'll hear the argument for OU side. I mean, if your rival has really got it going, and not that you know OU can't be great if Texas is bad. That's certainly happened over the years, especially here recently. But, yeah, man, if your primary on-the-field rival and recruiting rival is doing big things, I think that it's natural that it pushes you a little bit more, sure. So, to me, I enjoy the Red River Showdown, and I did enjoy it in years past when Texas had a football team that was nationally relevant. I just think it's good for the sport – when you can look ahead to a date like that, a pivotal rivalry date on the schedule every year in the month of October, and both teams are playing for something, and both teams are going to have their seasons significantly impacted by the outcome of that game. So I hope for Oklahoma's sake, for the SEC's sake, and for college football's sake, that Texas at least becomes respectable again. I'm not one of those people that will wish 0-12 seasons every year upon Texas. Would that be hilarious? Sure. I will wish but, for that, 
Okay. I'll be the one. Okay, sure. But that takes a lot of the intrigue out of the Red River Showdown, which is one of the best days of the year, regardless of whether you're on the OU side of the aisle or the UT side. Is it better nationally for Texas to be really good? Um, I mean, I I think it's always better overall for the sport if you have – like the most hated teams that are good. Like I, it would be better for the sport, yeah, if Miami was good. And I'm not saying that this is what you you were you know referencing, but I also don't think college football needs Texas to be good or relevant. I mean, college football has seen a huge boom here recently during the decade of suck. So while I, I'll agree with it, like the the overall point there, college football will be just fine if Texas continues to just flounder around year in and year out. They'll they'll be okay. Yeah, I, I, and I, I agree with that. But especially with Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC, one of the things I would love to see in the years to come is for the SEC just to become an absolute titan, even more so than it already is. If you have power 100% concentrated in the SEC and you have Oklahoma right in the thick of it, year in and year out, how much fun is that going to be to watch? How much fun is that going to be to cover? How much fun is it going to be every single weekend for us, Tyler, whether we're in Norman or on one of those SEC road trips, when you have packed-out venues, sold-out crowds, and you know that probably eight – well, no, you're going to have nine conference games. So probably six, seven of those nine conference games are going to have massive implications, not just for one team, but for both teams. Uh, text line says, until the culture changes at Texas, my horns will continue to underwhelm, underachieve, and lose on Saturdays. I'm a realist and believe Texas ain't back till they prove it on the field. Uh, well, Texas fan, that is a magnificent take on how you should approach these next few years. The problem is, is that the way that Texas is approaching the immediate future? Because... They do operate in a way that thinks that, oh, we got the number one overall recruits. That means we're back. It's almost like Texas has a privilege mentality, Parker, that they deserve to be back and they deserve to be relevant in college football. You don't deserve anything in college football, yet Texas acts like they um, they should be gifted something that's not really reality. I, I agree with the Texas fan. It's a great take. I just wonder if the football program actually has that mentality. Yeah, I don't know. Here's what I do know, speaking to people around the program, Tyler, is that that culture is just so broken, and we've talked about it on this show before, but I I know this with some degree of authority. The culture at Texas is just so far from being where it needs to be that the program isn't going to be able to be nationally relevant until you have radical change from the top down to completely reshape that football program i'll say this i don't think it can happen with the current coaching staff props to sark for getting arch manning props to sark for the reverberations and the repercussions that that's going to have on the recruiting trail no doubt because that commitment is significant for more reasons than just getting a five-star quarterback at face value but i struggle to believe the turnaround at texas is going to come under steve sarkeesian I'm gonna give a uh, I'm gonna give a prediction here, and I, I really haven't thought a lot about this. It just kind of came to me, but this is the world of college football now. You know, when you have sinking ships in the sport, Parker, you don't see you know a whole lot of frontline guys 
you know, stay on the sinking ship. Everyone's always looking to jump off, better their situation, go on, go on a team or go to a team that will get them more NFL ready. I mean, you get the point, whatever. Um, Arch is going to end up signing with the University of Texas next December. That is going to happen. Arch Manning will start games for UT. I don't think that he finishes his career there. And I don't think that he's going to finish Whoa. his career there is because of the unrealistic expectations that's going to follow him to Austin, the unrealistic expectations that will be put on Texas now that Arch Manning is going to UT. I think that Sark probably gets fired um, by the time his, his days are done at Texas. I think that it's going to be more of the same from Texas, a whole lot of hype, not a whole lot of substance. I think uh, be it after the first year or be it after the second year, Arch jumps to a more quarterback-friendly situation where the O-line is actually really good, the offense is humming, they got a chance to win a lot of games. I don't see the Texas football program changing with Arch Manning, without Arch Manning, whatever. I think he's going to jump somewhere else late in his career. He won't be at Texas for three years. Wow, that's a take, Tyler. Yeah, that's a take. Well, that's, hey, his that's uh, one I haven't heard his yet. his uncle Eli, right during the draft. Nah, I'm not going to San Diego. I'm going to do whatever I can. Like there is a precedent in the family where something like this has happened before. Just saying, but I I just don't think the Manning family is going to stick around for three years and watch that thing burn on fire. And he's just going to be loyal and stick through it the whole time. I, I think he well, ends up again, going elsewhere. Yeah, again, this better work. Because if it doesn't, yeah, I think it's going to burn to the ground more so than it ever has at the University of Texas. Because the all-gas, no-breaks campaign, I mean, people drank the Kool-Aid so quickly on Steve Sarkeesian. And in year one, what it got you was five wins. Now in year two, it's gotten you Quinn Ewers. It's gotten you Arch Manning. It's gotten you a lot of unreasonably high expectations, at least based on past performance for the 2022 season, so it better work. Otherwise, I don't think you're far off from being correct there, Tyler. If it doesn't work, the <laughs> whatever happens in the aftermath, the ensuing fallout from whatever comes when Texas wins five games again, it's going to be seismic. Yeah, Tiger Rube on the text line saying, Tyler, you just jinxed us. Arch will probably win back-to-back championships and Heisman's at Texas. Did I kick the uh, the jinx tag a little bit when I attended the national championship for OU softball? Was that officially the end of me jinxing everything, or is that just going to continue moving forward? I mean, I don't care one way or the other. I'm just asking. I'd like well, to Well, okay, uh, are, are the Sooners winning the College World Series this weekend? Well, I, that's the thing. I'd like to go to Omaha this weekend at some point, and I just mentioned it yesterday, and my Twitter mentions were, oh, God, no, stay at home, give me your tickets. You're not going to Omaha to jinx this team. So I just kind of want to know where I stand right now on, on that whole front. I feel like everyone still feels like I'm a jinx. Okay, well, I mean, whatever floats your boat, I'll say this. If you do make the trip up to Omaha this weekend, we'll be happy to have you, and we will hold you 100% responsible if OU loses. I want all the pressure. I want all the pressure. Uh, Dylan Edwards talked a lot about him over the uh, past few months. Small running back, but a very, very fast running back. Thought of as an OU lean at one point. Apparently, he quietly committed last weekend to Kansas State. He officially commits to Kansas State today. 
Uh, that's huge for the Wildcats, man. I, I didn't realize his dad played for Bill Snyder in the early 90s, from 92 to 94. But what was what was the big pitch by Kansas State here that we'll use you just like we use Deuce Vaughn? Is that it? Uh, well, you'll be the guy. I think that was the pitch more than anything. And that was a pitch that OU really couldn't give Dylan Edwards because they were never planning on him being the guy. He was going to be a guy. And he... We've talked about Dylan Edwards a lot, as you mentioned, Tyler. And sure, if OU had gotten him, he would have been a dynamic weapon in that offense. But as I kind of touched on earlier this week when he came for the Champion Barbecue and kind of arrived at the understanding that, okay, I am not number one on the priority list at the running back position for Oklahoma, that kind of solidified what I think was uh, a deep-seated feeling for Dylan Edwards that – K-State was kind of always the place that felt like home. And part of it has to do with the fact that he was a legacy. Uh, Dad, Leon, played at K-State under Brent Venables and Bob Stoops, as a matter of fact, at Kansas State in the early 90s. And so once it wasn't OU, it kind of became K-State at that point. Yeah, well, any time I see Jackson State in on a high-ranked kid, I've told you this before, I always say, huh, I mean, this is probably an interesting recruitment, and, and Jackson State was at least somewhat in the conversation here recently. Is there a thought here that this commitment is going to stick with Dylan Edwards, or do we have more drama coming up in the next few months? No, I, I believe this commitment will stick, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that I don't think Kansas State is too far off from picking up a commitment from Dylan Edwards' good buddy, Avery Johnson, the four-star quarterback out of Mays, Kansas, which is just outside of Wichita as well, Dylan Edwards from another Wichita suburb in Derby. So those two are close. Looks like Kansas State's going to lock down Avery Johnson. And uh, it's kind of looking like Kansas State might have a little bit of juice in this 2023 well, cycle. Yeah. They might be able to come up with one of the best recruiting classes that they have ever put together. Well, what did we read yesterday? That this would be the first time since 2002 um, no, 2004. This would be the first time since 2004 that K-State has signed the top two players in its own state. In its own state, the top two players. First time in 18 years. Dang. But if they get Avery yeah. Johnson, that's what would happen, along with Dylan Edwards. That's just crazy, man. K-State been a good program, but unable to... Uh, land the top two players in its own state in 18 years is wild. All right, keep the text coming. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We are the ref. It is the home of Suter fans. More to come next. Arkansas and Ole Miss getting underway in Omaha at the top of the hour at 3 o'clock. He did say, or he did reveal, I should say, who the starting pitcher is going to be on Saturday. It's going to be Jake Bennett. Then he said maybe Cade Horton, which I thought was interesting. Parker, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Jake Bennett game one, Cade Horton game two, and David Sandlin game three. Tell me where I could be wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong by any stretch of the imagination, Tyler. I think that's what you're going to get. Jake Bennett in game one, Cade Horton in game two. There's no reason to deviate from the game plan and from the bread and butter of your staff that's helped get you that to this position. And especially in the postseason, that's been Jake Bennon, that's been Kate Horton for Oklahoma. They have helped pitch Oklahoma to a position into a position to go win a national championship. So those will assuredly 
be your game one and game two starters. Game three is where things get a little bit iffy. If it goes that far, you'd have to imagine, okay, the odds on favorite to start is probably David Sandlin. But at that point, Tyler, I I don't know how many game threes in the College World Series you've watched in years past, but it's the type of thing where if you put two runners on base, you're getting yanked. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're going to have all hands on deck for both pitching staffs, and there's going to be a very, very short leash for everybody. Yeah, um, I, I think you have a little bit longer of a leash for your starters, especially for someone like Cade Horton. I mean, all, all three of those guys, really, not to single out one in particular, but definitely relievers, I agree with you. But seeing the the last performances all three of those guys have had in this tournament, uh, surely you give them a little bit longer of a leash than you do, say, uh, a middle reliever. But we'll see, man. Um, it is great news that Arkansas and Ole Miss are playing in 15 minutes because what we theorized all week long, like, hey, if you beat this A&M game, your pitching is set up perfectly, and that might not be the case for your opponent. Well, it sounds like Arkansas and Ole Miss are throwing their aces today, which is huge, 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 huge for OU. Yeah, correct. And, again, this is a win-or-die situation for both Arkansas and Ole Miss. So, look, if their ace is humming and can give them seven or eight innings, that's how long he's going to pitch. But kind of like I was just talking about the Game 3 phenomenon, right? If that ace runs into trouble, there's going to be a tight leash. And so that may put either Arkansas's ace, Connor Nolan, or Ole Miss's ace, Dylan DeLucia, in position to return and start a game one or a game two Saturday or Sunday against Oklahoma. But if it gets to that point and you have to yank your ace early, there's probably a good chance you're not getting to the weekend anyway. So, yeah, this all lines up perfectly for Oklahoma. They are going to be full strength on the pitching staff. The bats are hot. You got Jake Bennett and Cade Horton, the latter of whom is coming off a career day on Sunday against Notre Dame to pitch games one and two. It's all right there. For Oklahoma, it's right out there in front of them. All they've got to do is not screw this up. Oh, they've done a real good job. <laughs> they've got a. They've done a real good job thus far in the postseason of simply not screwing it up. Yeah. Well, not only are you in the championship series, you set yourself up perfectly for the championship series. It's all you can ask. And text line, I know that we've asked you this a couple times this week, but now that it's really upon us, you want Arkansas or you want Ole Miss? 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I don't know who you prefer, Parker. I guess I would prefer Ole Miss just so Arkansas doesn't have the feeling of a three-game winning streak going into this thing. Um, but I, I can either I, I can see either side of it. I, I, I don't have a huge opinion one way or the other if it's Arkansas or Ole Miss. But if you ask me, let's just roll with the Rebs, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I would rather have Ole Miss solely because I don't want to deal with Arkansas fans this weekend. Well, that's good. That's a good enough reason as any, honestly. There are going to be a lot of there going to be a lot of Ole Miss fans up there. But when the weekend when the weekend gets here, um, Arkansas fans are going to pile out to that place. And I, I've heard from a couple different people, including uh, Yardbird Kurt, who's been up there all week, that Ole Miss actually had more fans in Omaha as of yesterday. I don't doubt that, but Fayetteville is the shortest distance of all the teams that were in the field. The entire state might show up to Omaha on uh, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, Monday, Parker, if the if the Hogs win today. Yeah, I will say this: if the Hogs win today, it's going to be a great thing for attendance at the CWS final. But 
it's going to make the vast majority of the crowd utterly insufferable because they're going to be calling the Hogs multiple times an inning. So yeah. uh, I will say this, OU fans, if you're not if you're not already in Omaha, get there because especially if Arkansas wins, it's going to feel like an Arkansas home game on Saturday and Sunday if OU fans don't show up in droves. Who are you picking today? Arkansas's got all the momentum right now. Uh, I tell you what, I'm rolling with Ole Miss. I like Dylan DeLucia a lot. He was outstanding in his first start of the College World Series, and I have faith that he'll turn in another gem today to get the revs of the championship series. Uh, let's see, text line, give me Ole Miss so I don't have to hear Pig Suey. Let them set the jello shot record in misery. Well, they've like tripled the jello shot record as of today. Uh, I don't care who we play as long as today's game goes 18 innings. Jeff wants to play the Hogs. Don't care who wins today. Hoping for a 1-0 final in 18 innings. Kurt says, give me whoever the blank they put in the other dugout. <laughs> so, not a strong reaction one way or the other. I, I think at this point, people feel pretty good about this OU baseball team. Do you think that there's – and I know that this is a cliche. I, I know that this is a cliche. But is there a feeling among OU fans that at this point it feels like a team of destiny? There is that feeling, Tyler, and I don't – yes, that is a cliche, but I don't think that's an inaccurate assessment of this team. They've just got it. They've got something special. They've got some resilient quality that you can't really quantify. You can't explain how they've gotten as far as they have. But at this point, does either Ole Miss or Arkansas want any part of this OU buzzsaw this weekend? No, absolutely not. This is the hottest team in college baseball. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss, I hope they win. Hopefully tickets drop, LOL. Yeah, good luck with that. O again, Ole Miss has never won a national championship in baseball. Ole Miss fans will be everywhere, too, if they win today. Uh, one more. Will Oklahoma State fans pull for OU if they play Hogs since Arkansas eliminated Pokes? There's no situation where Oklahoma State fans will pull for OU. Yeah, absolutely. There's zero. Not. Absolutely. There is not. not a scenario. So, no. <laughs> no, there's that's not happening. All right, 405-651-3439. You guys are killing it on the text line. More to come next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. For the homeless Sooner fans, I did notice today that Parker uh, – he was busy on 247sports.com last night. He was putting in crystal balls, and he just put in a crystal ball for Jaquazy Petaway, four-star wide receiver to the University of Oklahoma. Huh. Interesting. Okay, I asked you yesterday if it's OU or Texas, and you pretty strongly said OU, and then a couple hours later you just threw in a crystal ball. Boom. That's, that's what's up right there. Oklahoma is in line to land – the top 50 overall prospect out of Langham Creek in Houston. Uh, I want to say, I don't have it right in front of me right now, but I believe he's something like the number eight wide receiver. Yeah, the number eight wide receiver in this class. And Oklahoma has taken the lead there. Obviously, the Arch Manning commitment does kind of uh, shift the sands a little bit. I'm not sure it has an impact on Petaway's thought process with all of this, though. I am confident predicting 
that Oklahoma lands him. I also did just throw in another crystal ball about an hour ago for a brand-new offer out of Snoqualmie, Washington. Wow. Heath Ozeda, high three-star offensive lineman uh, that has some family ties to the state of Oklahoma as well as to OU. And uh, I am comfortable projecting that Oklahoma lands him as well. Yeah, that, that's good news. Um, I did see something fascinating today. And we talked a lot about Peyton Kirkland, four-star offensive tackle out of the state of Florida. We talked about OU, Florida in on that. Why am I seeing crystal balls from Michigan State all of a sudden? For Peyton Kirkland? Yeah. Man, uh, here's, here's the bottom line with that kid. He's just really, really good at confusing people. And so it's one of those things that Sooner fans are just going to have to ride out. Like, they're going to have to get used to it. Until, until he commits, you're just going to have to reconcile with the reality that Peyton Kirkland tells every school's insider that he really likes that program and could Michigan see himself State's playing. Michigan such he, a he, wild at, card. I was like, what, really? Well, yeah, huh? look, at, look, at the, look at the crystal balls, Tyler. All the Michigan State insiders think he's going to Michigan State. The Florida insiders think he's going to Florida. And the Miami insiders think he's going to Miami. Now, I'll tell you this much, just because you don't see any OU crystal balls does not mean that OU is not a lead contender in Peyton Kirkland's recruitment because they absolutely are. And I'm not saying he commits to Oklahoma next month, but what I am saying is don't be shocked if that's the pick. Nobody knows for sure with him or with Derek LeBlanc, but you pay attention to where they keep showing up, and both of those dudes keep showing up to Oklahoma, which is not an easy thing to do, when you live a thousand miles away and got to do it on your own dime, you uh, headed to the ballpark for Ole Miss, Arkansas, or not? Uh, no, no, miss me with that. Hmm. You dislike Arkansas fans that much that you'll just not go to a great game just to not have to be in their presence. No, one hundred percent. I'm not not ashamed of it at all. <laughs> all right, that'll do it for Parker. Uh, he'll be back with us tomorrow, live from Omaha. The rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We are the homeless Sooner fans.